Good morning. morning. You're so welcome if you are visiting here among us. It's really great. Now, a long, long time ago in a galaxy far away, there was an iconic revelation. Um, One day, it was in episode five, The Empire Strikes Back. And the hero Luke Skywalker was in conversation with... Well, they were actually... He was in a fight with Darth Vader. Dun, 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 dun. And uh, he had been told... Luke had been told that Darth Vader had killed his father. So he tells this, you killed my father. And, And there's this famous line, as you all know, when Darth Vader says, No, I am your father. Oh, did I get it anywhere near? No, no. Who's the actor? I can't think... And oh, James Earl Jones, right? Okay, yes. I am your father, or something. It's anyway, um, <clears throat> and that's become it's quoted, isn't it? It was it was used in Toy Story two. It's been a line that's been used in a whole load of other films, and it's a kind of standard joke. My mother was raised by her parents, but when, at some point, her mother told my mother that her dad was not her dad, but her actual dad was called George Scholes, which is, um, and she knew this man. So I don't know how that revelation went down. But God is revealed to be our father in the Bible, that he wants to be our father, and that we can have God as our father. It's not automatic, but we can have God as our father. And I want to read from John's Gospel, from chapter 1. The text will come up on the screen. It's a very famous passage. And, and then look into this and explore a little bit about who God is and that he wants to be our father. So in the beginning we read, was the word, and the word was with God. And the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, that's John the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself, this is John the Baptist, was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him... The world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the only begotten, the one and only son, the only begotten who came from the father, full of grace and truth. John the Baptist testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. 
For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. But the only begotten God, who is in the Father's bosom, has made him known. Father, I want to thank you for the scripture. I thank you that you have made yourself known. You spoke, Lord God, in this through the creation. You have spoken by sending prophets. And above all, you have spoken in the person of your Son, the Word made flesh. And we pray that your living Word would come into us and refresh us and renew us, would make us new if we've never been made new before, and that you'd refresh that new birth in Jesus' name. Amen. So, if I reread from verse 11, which I think is the next slide, Kyla, um, we read there, um, the, the bottom, uh, it says there, verse 12, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. We can become the children of God, therefore God can be our father, but he is not automatically our father. And so... This is a really important thing for Christians to understand. There's a a Christian leader, I think he may still be alive, called James Packer, in one of my favourite books of all time called Knowing God, which he wrote. He asked the question, what is a Christian? There's a slide for this, Kyla. What is a Christian? The richest answer I know is that a Christian is one who has God for his father, or her father. He says, if you want to know how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes, she makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his or her father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well at all. Really is that important that you understand that to become a Christian, this what we're seeking here, as if you're visiting, is not that you would start coming to our church, but that you would know God as your father and you would want to be part of his family amongst his other children. You may well have heard of John Wesley, who founded the Methodist Church, who lived from 1703 to 1791. He actually went to school at Charterhouse School in Godalming, not far from here. He then studied in Oxford, and he was a very, very serious-minded young man, tried very, very hard to follow God. He went into the Church of England and became a vicar. He did good deeds. He uh, gave, went, visited the poor. He went and visited people in prison. He visited people in hospital, and he took up the role of being... Being a vicar, he went to America as it was then, it was a colony of Great Britain, to Georgia, and he preached the gospel to Indians. And then he came back after a few years and he said this, I who went to America to convert others was never myself converted to God. Right? He was trying to follow God and he says, he wrote in the margin of his journal, I had the faith of a servant but not that of a son. Right? And, uh, and it was after that time he really feels that he came to Christ. He was brought up in a very religious world and uh, he tried to be religious, but actually religion is not what will help you. It is actually putting your faith in God and coming to know that he is, wants to be your father. He forgives us our sins, not just so that we're forgiven of our sins, which is a wonderful thing in itself, but so that through that forgiveness we, are, we can appear before him and be with him and be received into his family. So how do we um, 
process this. I want to talk about some subjective things and some objective things. I want to talk a little bit about how we actually engage and receive this adoption, but spend a little bit more time about who God is, uh, because that is the ground of this thing. So we're told in that, chapter, that, that, that verse there to receive Christ, yes? We're told to receive him and to... Um, those who receive him, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, it says in verse 12, to those who did receive him, to receive Christ. I don't know what happens for you when the doorbell rings or there's a knock at your door, whether you are eagerly rushing to the door or whether you are thinking, oh, no, he's going to be at the door now. Right? So, Because if you're expecting a delivery, you might run to the door. You know, if, if, I, was, if I was expecting my daughter with my new granddaughter at the door, I would run to the door, right? And um, whereas if I thought, oh, it's someone else trying to sell me double glazing, and you get, you know, they knock on the door and say, would you like double glazing? And, I, and I've said to one of them, well, have you looked? You know, I mean, it already is double glazing, you know. <laughs> and you wonder why they knock on the door, don't you? I, I don't want to be rude to people, but it sometimes just gets a bit too much. Um, <clears throat> And, I mean, these days I don't rush to answer the phone because nine out of ten phone calls are what phone calls I don't want about PPI or goodness. Don't you get all this? I, I sometimes wonder why I have a phone. Um, so, but, so to receive is to, is to welcome with an open heart. Because you, you can go to the front door with an open heart or with a closed heart thinking, you know, chain on. And incidentally, if you live alone and you're answering the door after night, after dark, it's probably a very good thing to put a door chain on. So uh, I'm not trying to cross-refer this, but I want you to know that you can approach and receive Christ with a very open heart. But you'll only do that if you're convinced that he is good and that he is worth knowing. And that's why it's so important when I get to my second section for us to think about who God is so that you can have that confidence to open your life to him. So we receive Christ, but we also believe in Christ's name. So in John 3.16, which is on the slide, Kyla, For God so loved the world, it's a very famous verse, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So there's, there's, there's something to believe here. It's, it's, it's not just believing that Jesus died on the cross, but it's believing that the Father loves us so much that he would send his Son to die on the cross. It's believing that God is that good, that he would do that, and that he wants to bring us into his family, that we shouldn't die, but that we should enjoy life. Now, um, to bring, you might then say, well, what's Jesus Christ got to do with me having God as my father? Because we go through Jesus to the father. We, he is the introducer. He is the one who's made the way that we can be Adopted, And it's because, um, now let's be clear here, it's not because we have a kind Jesus and a cruel father. Some people in history have thought that that's what Christianity teaches, that the father is quite cruel and harsh, and Jesus is his kind of, our elder brother who placates and appeases this angry father. That is not the picture that the scripture presents at all. Our adoption in Christ is what the, it says, the, God so loved, God the father so loved the world that he sent his only son. Right? It's not that the, there's no separation between these two, as we will see as we continue. So I want to consider now something of the objective truths about God, because our adaptation into God's family depends on who Christ is. Yes, what he's done, that's something we've sung about this morning and celebrated, but also that he is 
this only begotten son and he's one with the father and so this shows us now I don't know about you but I find it difficult to grasp this whole business of God it's so huge isn't it the idea of God it's very incomprehensible my, my daughter who has a granddaughter lives in Leeds and I like maps I don't know about you now we do have a map of, of West Yorkshire which is like this but I find you know it's like an atlas street atlas it's great, but the trouble is, if you're thinking, how do I get from there to there, it's like on different pages, and you can't work out the most direct route. Do you, do you follow? So I really like a sheet map, which is, goes like this, okay, and, and I can get this. This is a sheet map of Leeds. The trouble with this is it can't cover Bradford as well, but, but, and, and it, it's, it's quite big and ungainly. So if you're in the car, well, actually, in the car, I just follow my phone, but, you know, if, it's, it's, it's a problem, but it's a it's much, I get a better picture of this, but it's quite difficult to manage. And I, I, God, in my head, is a bit like that. It's like, in fact, it's worse than this. It's like, it's like, um, here's a dust sheet I use if I'm doing a big job, you know, you're doing some decorating or something. You always, I like to be clean and tidy when I do a job. Do, guys, yes? I, if I do cooking, I, I actually wash up as I go along. I'm very, I'm very, uh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so this, this, is my, this is my very biggest dust sheet, and um, you can see it's quite a big one, yep, so it's very useful, um, but it's also very hard, if I wanted a big sheet map, even of the whole world, imagine that it was in detailed, I mean it would just be huge, wouldn't it, I, and, and God is even bigger than that, he's bigger than the, in the whole universe in that sense, how could I, if I want a sheet map of God, I, I'm going to have, a, well, man, I'm just going to, it's blowing my mind, right? So all, all I've found is when it comes to folding this up, the really useful thing is to get the corners, right? If you get the corners, you can somehow make some sense of it, do you? Yep. And if you know where the folds go, I'm not going to do this now, but I can, I can then make sense of it, yeah? And so what I want to talk through is a few, some of the, some of the corners that for me help me get a handle on God. You're never going to have... You, you'll, we will never have God, as it were, like something in our pocket, right? You can't have, sometimes you buy things in Christian shops, the sort of thing to keep in your pocket to feel, to make you feel safe. I want to tell you, that won't make you feel safe. You need to know the mighty God to feel safe. But, but you, what you also need to realise is he, you are in his hands, you can't have him in your hand. Right? I can't get the sheet into my hand. But I can get hold of some corners of it. We can truly know God. We just don't know everything, right? But what we do know, we can truly know. So um, this uh, beginning of John's Gospel is really like, if you put the next slide up, there's a, a real similarity between the beginning of Genesis, right? in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the beginning of John's Gospel, right? In the beginning, right? The, the word, so we read there, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. So not only God the Father made everything, but Christ made everything. And actually, if you read in Genesis, the Holy Spirit was involved with making everything too. But I'm not going to mention the Holy Spirit much um, this morning. So there was this, uh, and then next we read in verse 14, there's a slide for this. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the only begotten son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. 
Now, I've, I've put back into these translations this only begotten phrase that used to be in the authorised version has largely been dropped from the modern English translations. And yet it's what appears in the, the so-called Nicene Creed, which actually Nathan got us to read or read out uh, a few weeks ago here on Sunday morning. It's one of the ancient creeds of the church in which we, the, 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 church, the, the, the early church tried to capture the truth about God. This only begotten thing, again, it's in verse 18 of John. It's actually lifted, it's in the creed because it's in John's gospel. No one has ever seen God, the Father, but but the only begotten God who is in the Father's bosom has made him known. So you get there's God and there's God. It's an amazing thing, isn't it? You've got God and God. Um, And... So we've, we've got something kind of quite difficult here. So what we find is there's a parallel that the only begotten, this is the next slide, the only begotten equals the word, equals the only begotten God, equals the only begotten son, equals Jesus Christ. All these are the same personage. And you might say, well, I'm just getting really confused now. You, um, you told me I could become God's child and now this is, this is getting a, a bit much um, um, you know, it's too complicated. But, well, we, we, Jesus, you don't need to understand obstetrics to be born, do you? Is that right? <laughs> you, don't, you don't need to understand. But, but, but there is a certain faith involved. And this begottenness helps us. Because you might say, I, I thought you said I could be God's child. And now you're telling me Jesus is God's only begotten son. So if the place is already taken, right? And there's only one of them. He's the only begotten. Right? Well, this is where this word begotten helps us, because there is only ever going to be one only begotten son. But fortunately, there is ample space for any number of us to be adopted into Christ and to be born of God in him. So by faith, we can be united with Christ, and then whatever is true of Christ becomes true of us. We can be, as it were, taken up into him, and then wherever he goes, we go. And because he is the son of the father, we become the son of the father, and some great theologian has says this, we, are, we become just as much a son of God as Jesus Christ himself, by faith. And so this is terrific. So let's think about this solidarity of Christ with the Father. This solidarity of Christ with the Father. I want to back up a bit and um, go back into the Old Testament. So we have Deuteronomy 6.4. This is a very famous Jewish text which Jew, observant Jews, I think, will state almost every day. I'm sure John and Jenny could... Yes, you're nodding. Um, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Right? The Lord is one. And notice that it doesn't here say there is one God. It says the Lord is one. And where you get capital letters in the Old Testament, it means God's covenant name, Yahweh or Jehovah. That is how it's often translated. The Lord is one. Yahweh is one. And Jesus also says something very similar just a little bit later in John's Gospel. He says, and this is the slide for this, Kyla, I and the Father are one. I and the Father are one. So Jesus is not backing off from this essential oneness of God. Now, you might say, oh gosh, do we really need all this abstract philosophical talk? Well, yes, I want to say, bear with me, because this bears directly upon our experience of God. You see, God's oneness is the ground on which we can be sure of his faithfulness, faithfulness, because it means that he will always be who he says he is. That, that, That oneness is crucial for us. So, let me illustrate it in a couple of ways. First, 
When we find in scripture that God is one, this is over against there being lots of different gods. Right? The Jewish scripture, um, what Christians call the Old Testament, draws attention to the, to the difference between the Jewish God Yahweh and all the other gods. Nearly all ancient peoples believed in a sort of continuum of spiritual beings with demons, spirits, angels, sprites, fairies, different um, cultures had different labels for these things. But there was, as it were, a spectrum of these things. And and so it was possible to hear about the Jewish God and think, oh, this God claims to be at the top of the pile of all these other things, right? Now, how many of you remember the cartoon Top Cat? Right, some of you. Th- th- this was made in the 1960s. You know, they only ever made 30 episodes of Top Cat, and yet, it, to my feeling, it's like my whole childhood was filled with watching Top Cat, and yet there were only 30 episodes. Now, this is this was the theme song of the Top Cat cartoon, and um, Top Cat, the most effectual Top Cat, whose intellectual close friends get to call him TC, providing it's with dignity. Top Cat. Disputable leader of the gang. He's the constant, the friend, he's the championship, he's the most tip top. <laughs> and uh, so it goes on. And uh, so, so the scenario of the, the this is a spoiler, but I, if you haven't seen it, really you haven't lived. And uh, but there's an alley in Manhattan. And the alley cats live there, and Top Cat is the top cat of the alley cats, and their nemesis is Officer Dibble at the far right here. And, yeah, this is Jan's, if you know Jan Holder, Top Cat theme tune is her ringtone. Now, so what I want to say is, God, in revealing himself in the Old Testament, is not saying, in the alley cat world, I am the top alley cat. That is not what is being shown us in the Old Testament. What it's saying is, I made the alley, I made all the cats, I made the whole universe, and I'm just of a different order altogether. I'm a different category of thing. There are lots of other things you might call gods, but I am of a different order to all those things. And there's something that should make the hairs on the back of our necks stick up, actually, when we think about this. God is so different to us. So um, he is God in a way that no other gods are God. He's utterly exceptional, unique and incomparable, and all other so-called gods are nothing. They are no divine thing at all. And um, so uh, that's really important. And it's important for a couple of reasons I want to mention. Um, you know, we encounter powers in this world. There are genuinely demonic powers. But when you realise how great God is, you realise when you are in a, in a fight with a demon, that demon really hasn't got a hope because the name of Christ is far, far superior. It's not just that Christ is the top cat in the alley. He's just of a different order of being. It's, it's quite, it's impossible for us to, um, to compare, right? It's a bigger leap than from a roller skate to a Rolls Royce, okay? It's, it's, it's really impossible for us to imagine. But the other thing is this, this recognition that when we worship, like we've been worshipping this morning, uh, it, his, the reality of this God demands our affection for sure but also an awe and our attention he deserves our attention so i know that our minds can wonder as we come and worship but actually it should be 
that the reality of who he is should command some attention from us and that capacity to say, I will go to worship. And yes, you can worship on your own, but to gather with others helps us in our concentration. I'm, I'm helped by it because it helps us to do that, which if we think about it, we know so rightly we should do. But I want to move on. Yes, he's the one God, but he's also, it says, God is one. So that's not just only telling us that there's only one God. It's telling us that God is one, that he's the same yesterday and, t- and today and forever. Well, how so? It, it's because of, it's telling us something about how God is. You see, Islam presents the, a picture of a God who is a being of just absolute will. And that sort of God, if that's what God is like, and I don't believe it's a true revelation, is a completely unpredictable God. Because basically, um, you'll find Muslims will be quite reluctant to declare what God will do because they believe him to be of, have to have absolute freedom of action and that his supreme absolute will is the kind of definition of God whereas what the Bible really re- re- reveals about God in saying that he's one is asserting that for example we read in the Bible God is love yeah? and we read that God is light and we read God is holy we read that he's full of grace and truth And when we're saying that God is one, we're saying it's not that there's God and then there's a bit of love hooked on and then a bit of holiness hooked on and a bit of um, grace hooked on and a bit of of truth hooked on. It's just saying, no, that there's just God. And, And how he reveals himself defines what love is, defines what truth is, defines what all these things are. There's no higher power with a list of truth and lovingness and such to which God has had to measure up. He simply is. And what he is defines what all these things are. And, but that also means that there's something ne- necessary about that in God. That God, when we say God can do anything, it's absolutely true he can do anything, but he will never do anything against what his character is. So, so the scripture says God cannot lie. So, so when you say God can do anything, you need to actually curtail that and say, no, well, God will not lie because he's utterly truthful. And so this is what it is to say that the oneness of God, that his parts are completely integral to all that he is. So God said to Moses, this is on the slide, because God asked him, who shall I say sent me? And God said to Moses, well, tell them I am who I am. That's what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Just I exist. I am. And that's the one we meet. He's revealed himself in scripture as necessarily what he is. So no external force is forcing him to be this. It's it's his own internal nature which uh, of necessity makes him the God he is. Full of grace and truth. um, That he is love, that he is light. Now yes he is loving, but he's loving because he is love. And who he is defines that. So there's no spin with God, there's no pretense. So this is the ground on which we can have such assurance when we come towards God. Because what we is revealed to be like, we can be sure he is like yesterday, today and forever, to quote the book of Hebrews. And I found when I talk with Muslims, they usually can have no assurance that they are uh, will uh, of their future with God because they believe that God is just absolute will. Whereas we can have an assurance because we believe God has shown what he is like and we can rely that that revelation is true. 
Now you now I want to move on to the New Testament now because John 1, 1 to 3 makes this simplicity rather complicated because we suddenly find, so we've got a slide for repeating John 1, 1 to 3. So we've, we had God the Father creating everything, Genesis 1. Now we've got in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. And we're thinking, wait, wait a minute, we heard that Yahweh is one. Now we've got two. And you put the Holy Spirit in, I have three. You're giving me a problem, giving me a problem. Kind of warning, and we, what are we going to do about this? Now, this is summarized in the Nicene Creed, so I've popped that in the first two sections of it, the one about the Father and the Son here. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, all that is seen and unseen, just lifted out of Genesis. And then we believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. It's lifted from John chapter 1. It's lifted from John chapter 1. Now there's a section on the Holy Spirit as well. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. And so what's presented to us is these three members of what we call the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so what is, if we do a summary, the Father is unbegotten, there's a slide for this, the Son is begotten of the Father, and the Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. Now I'm leaving the Holy Spirit as a side, apologies Holy Spirit, um, this morning. But the, the, the early church grappled with this because when you say begotten, that makes you think, ah, so Jesus had a beginning. Doesn't that, doesn't that make you think that? Now, I've just had a granddaughter born and she didn't, she didn't exist a year, a year ago. Full stop, she didn't exist. But because of a husband's will and a mother's, a wife's willingness, a baby was conceived and was born and she started And she, like all of us, is a contingent being. She's dependent. I need air, I need water, I need... Isn't that true? I I can't decide to start uh, myself. Uh, Whereas Christ, we're told, he was begotten, not made. And he was eternally begotten. There's something about the begetting that happens in heaven, which is a continuous, permanent thing. It's of necessity. Father and Son and Holy Spirit have always existed. There was no beginning, but there's something. Now, I want to use John 5, 26. I'm sorry if you're thinking, whoa, this is mind-blowing. But just, just try and get some corners here. This is a very big sheet, and you think, I can't get the sheet in my hand. You never will be able to. But if you can try and catch hold of some corners of the sheet... I think it's for our blessing and goodness. So John 5, 26, it's on a slide. Just as Jesus speaking, just as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. It's a very important statement that Jesus made. Right? The Father has life in himself. I don't have life in myself. Right? You don't. I, I didn't make myself. I can't make myself alive. I'm dependent on everything. But the Father has life in himself. He's self-existent. He's the I am who I am. It's incredible. That which cannot be, um, um, you know, it's just amazing. And we also read at the end of the verse, the Son has life in himself. Uh Uh-oh. 
Because this is the definition of God. The God is the one, you know, you get this, sometimes you get this report of parents and children having this conversation. The child says to the parent, you know, well, who caused me? You know, well, mummy and daddy had this special kind of hug and all the rest. Well, who caused you? Well, my, our mummies and daddies. And, well, who caused that? Okay, well, there was, um, you know, something else. And who caused that? Well, God caused everything. Well, who caused God? <gasps> Actually, well, that's the definition of God, the one who has no cause. Right? He is uncreated. He just always has been. And um, he's in, he just has life in himself. That's it. Right? But Jesus also has life in himself. Uh-oh, I've got two. You can only have one of these beings. But that's why it's connected up by saying, just as the Father has life in himself, so he granted the Son to have life in himself. There's some that they that they're underived and yet that somehow they're connected because there can only be one who has life in himself so the god is one in one way he's three in another way so this is a crucial feature of godness and there's an, a creed called the athanasian creed which tries to capture this but i will um uh We'll move, we'll jump the Athanasian Creed and we'll go to John chapter 6 and 37 because I want to just to reassure you, coming back to our own subjective experience, that very often people can feel that they're excluded from knowing God. This was even prayed out earlier in what was prayed out earlier and our songs often celebrate this. We feel we would be excluded from this knowledge, that we can't have this knowledge. And I want to tell you, you never will get the whole sheet, the whole of God in your hands. But if we can get some corners, there are corners he's given us of which you can stand on, you can hold on to, and by faith you can receive. And so we read in John 6.35, then Jesus declared, I'm the bread of life. I am, using this I am, which he frequently went up to. So yes, I'm the self-existent one. I have life in myself. And among among these things, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And then a couple of verses later, all those the Father give me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Isn't that a wonderful thing? You might say, oh, I don't know if the Father's giving me. Well, if you've come, he must be. If you've come, he must be. And if you're coming, you can be sure you will never be driven away. Thank God for that. Because he's not pure, absolute will. He's a God who has shown himself to be loving and caring. So... You may feel, maybe you are but someone who comes to church, but you think of yourself, oh, I'm just little faith. And, uh, and there's other people at church, they're great hearts. They're, they seem, they're, they're bold hearts. And you've, you've looked over at those other people, or maybe you see them on YouTube, great, very great Christians, and you think, oh, I could never be, have the courage of great heart and bold old face who, who follow God so much better than I do and they can wield the sword and strike down the demons and bring those healings and um, you know but for me I'm made afraid so quickly I get fearful I have so many doubts and what have you but I want you to hear and be remembered here today that actually it's not the size of your faith that makes a difference it's the size of our Father God and His Son Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And so, if, if you have children, and I do, and I now have a grandchild as well, I'm very smitten, by the way. Um, you know, I've got one daughter over in America, making her own way in the world. The other daughter's grown up, and then there's this little scrap. And 
you might ask, which one do you love more or, or less? You can love them all, aren't they? And, and the point is, they're all equally. Both my daughters are equally my daughter. It wouldn't matter if one was the tiny little child in arms still, which would be a miracle, mind you, <laughs> given our age. But uh, do, you, do you understand, though, that you might have one grown up and making their own way and another a babe in arms if you've had quite a few children with a big age gap? But they're both your children. And so whatever your faith, we have our God our Father to be our Father if we have put our faith in him and we are all near to the heart of the Father.